0: clean shaven. I am. He a clean shaven man now. <laughs> My goodness gracious. That's the sound of summer right there. Ah. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> well with that in mind I think there's nothing else to say but Welcome to Super Superstitious.
1: The science podcast about the spooky? No, actually, I think that's pretty. I think that's kind of what Monster Talk has for theirs. I think they call themselves like the, the science podcast about monsters, so
0: I'll keep thinking of new ones. I'm Jake. And I'm Wyatt. And uh, welcome to the show. This is a weekly, or at least bi-weekly, podcast.
1: <laughs> this is a fairly often podcast.
0: This is a fairly often we, podcast. We talk
1: about spooky stuff, strange things, and when we can, we try and break it down with
0: science... And uh, this week, we're going to be breaking down Them UFOs. Yes, we are. A topic that just cannot seem to depart fully from this planet. Before we dive into that, though... We should address the fact that this is the first time
1: we have recorded a new episode since the shocking, untimely passing of Dan Izzett from Real Life Ghost Stories.
0: It truly caught everyone off guard. Shocking. There's no words... For the most part this will be a
1: pretty standard episode of this show as far as format and stuff but we also want to make some space to pay tribute to a singularly delightful human being who it feels like we had only just started getting to know um, but we'll say that for a little bit later today first instead we will jump into a premise that was his favorite and emma's least
0: favorite which is of <laughs> course the ufo stuff so there you go um okay now as we all may know There's actually decent statistical likelihood that complex life other than our own exists in the universe, which is pretty cool. Hmm. However, the possibility that our planet has been or is being physically visited by ETs has largely been a realm of conspiracy and Mm sci-fi. Purported crashes are disproven or go incompletely resolved. Accounts of Mm -hmm. sightings, while sometimes very vivid, are almost exclusively anecdotal. And despite a lot of muttering about the government covering up the spooky truth, there just ain't the publicly available physical evidence needed to make a decisive call mm-hmm. on the matter. That is, of course, until the Navy released those dang videos back in, what was it, 2019? Something like that. And by now, I think most of us know the ones. These are low-resolution black-and-white footage of something. Locked in the center of a highly advanced tracking camera aboard some kind of high-tech fighter jet. Mm-hmm. The object seems frozen in space, but is in fact blasting along so quickly and bizarrely that the pilots talking through the video are clearly amazed and disturbed. It turns out the U.S. government has been studying these aerial phenomena for years mm-hmm. under the guises of the Advanced Aerospace Threat Identification Program, or AATIP Directed by Guy Fieri, if you drank tactical military Kool-Aid, Luis Elizondo, (laughs) uh, which officially ran from 2007 to 2012, but was made uh, public in 2017, and by that point, I think was still doing, let's say, stuff, (laughs) and their studies are likely ongoing. Case in point, the government recently released an official report, or will be, actually, (laughs) It will be released the day this comes out, potentially. Oh, shit. On those weird ass videos. (laughs) This is uh, highly timely. We keep doing stuff very timely, uh,
1: (laughs) completely by accident.
0: (laughs) And the forthcoming report prompted the New York Times to basically do our job and talk briefly about it. And so I will be (laughs) reading some excerpts from that article uh, released earlier this month, June 3rd. Cool. Entitled. U.S. finds no evidence of alien technology in flying objects, but can't rule it out either. (laughs) So, American intelligence officials have found no evidence that aerial phenomena witnessed by Navy pilots in recent years are alien spacecraft. But they still cannot explain the unusual movements, according to senior administration officials briefed on the findings of a highly anticipated government report. Mm -hmm. The report determines that a vast majority of more than 120 incidents over the past two decades did not originate from any American military or other advanced U.S. government technology, officials said. That determination would appear to eliminate the possibility that Navy pilots who reported seeing unexplained aircraft might have encountered programs the government meant to keep secret. So, in short, it weren't us. But that is about the only conclusive finding in (laughs) the Classified Intelligence Report. All right. The forthcoming report, uh, released on June 25th, so it'll be coming out from Congress then, uh, will present few other firm conclusions. However, the government could not definitively rule out theories that the phenomena observed by military pilots might be alien spacecraft. Mm -hmm. They go into the history of America's long-running fascination with UFOs including former President Barack Obama stoking interest when he was asked last month about the incidents on the Late Late Show with James Corden. Quote, what is true, and I'm actually being serious here, Obama said, is that there is footage and records of objects in the skies that we don't know exactly what they are. The report concedes that much about the observed phenomena remains difficult to explain, including their acceleration, as well as their uh, ability to change direction and even submerge. Hmm. One possible explanation, that the phenomena could be weather balloons or other research balloons, that's a tired one, does not hold up, no shit, in all cases. Super fast balloons. Super fast balloons that fly down into the water. (laughs) There will also apparently be an annex in the final report, which, of course, is a very fancy way of saying appendix, I imagine. Um... And that will be top secret. That will not be released. That's interesting. One senior official briefed on the intelligence said without hesitation that U.S. officials knew it was not American technology, but that there was worry among intelligence and military that China or Russia could be experimenting with Mm -hmm. hypersonic technology. Both Russia and China are known to be invested in hypersonic weaponry. China has even shown some off. Essentially, it's their answer to supersonic, get even faster, get even nastier. How much faster is it to have a different prefix? Let's find out. <laughs> Here we go. So, subsonic, this is like propeller-driven commercial turbofan aircraft, mm-hmm. is less than a Mach point eight. Okay. Transonic, or transonic, 0.8 to 1.2, to put a number on it, transonic is 988 to fourteen. Hundred eighty-two kilometers an hour. Jeez, we can jump up to hypersonic just to save us all some time, which will be Mach five to Mach ten. Oh, wow, and we're talking speeds of six thousand one hundred seventy-four <laughs> to twelve thousand three hundred fifty kilometers an hour. <laughs> what? How does that not just liquefy a person? <laughs> I think you have to be suspended in a small pool when yes. you're piloting these craft. <laughs> and there is high hypersonic and then re-entry speeds. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which I think when we reach re-entry speeds technology, we will know we have done something wrong. <laughs> um, So these things are going hell fast is basically the take yeah. home. Mm-hmm. And of course, whether or not it was Chinese, Russian, or at- Navy pilots were often unsettled by the sightings. In one encounter, strange objects, one of them like a spinning top moving against the wind, appeared almost daily from the summer of 2014 to March 2015, high in the skies over the east coast. Need to get my binoculars out. <laughs> pilots reported that they could reach 30,000 feet and hypersonic speeds, so as we now know, very fast. Mm-hmm. Almost hit a dude one time. Jeez. Defense Department's been looking at it for like 13 years, and they talk about tip for a while. So we'll see what's in the report, and in the meantime, what do we think, Jake? What are your thoughts at this fragile time in our collective terrestrial psyche? <laughs> um,
1: I mean, I feel like so much of this stuff, like back when we first, I think it might have even been back in 20, 2018 when this stuff, the videos came out that we saw. I think it was the first time we talked about UFOs on this podcast and it was uh yeah same thing i thought that was just like you know there's stuff people like like they're saying there's other countries have aircrafts and stuff and uh if you don't know what you're looking at as as long as you see a thing flying and don't know what you're looking at it is a ufo exactly and there's it's been such a long time that people have been so hung up on the idea of government conspiracies to cover up stuff that there's just no way that's not going to be immediately the uh
0: the route people go when they hear anything at all exactly it's fun too to think about this as unidentified aerial phenomena which is the more <laughs> sort of uh how do we want to call it softer description yeah it's it means it's the exact same thing <laughs> it's the exact same thing it just sort of opens up the possibility that it is not i guess an object per se
1: <laughs> one thing that i also want to point out that is actually pretty fun uh, kind of first-person first, uh, first person account sort of uh, thing that I'm glad to be able to bring to the show in this case, uh, talking to a former Air Force, uh, now retired airline pilot, father-in-law of the show, Pete Marple. <laughs> Lauren's is <this> dad. <laughs> news right now? <laughs> uh, no, I don't know what to call it. It's a friend of the show. It doesn't seem right, so that's what I'm going with. I think I referred to uh, Lauren's sister as sister-in-law of the show, so <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to keep using that nomenclature. Uh yeah, Pete flew planes for decades. Uh, he started out in the Air Force before going to just commercial flying until uh, he was granted an early retirement during COVID when mm-hmm. airlines were like fuck, and so they yeah he was mm-hmm, would have retired mm-hmm. this April ended up retiring last September was it I don't know it's hmm. sometime in the middle of last year uh and uh, yeah he's retired now but he flew a lot saw a lot of things in the air and uh he told me a story just a week or so ago. That he and his co-pilot were flying, uh, doing some maneuvers and stuff for training, and saw this thing kind of flying between the clouds that totally c- c- like freaked them out. Like, what the hell was that? They both saw it a couple of times, and they, they turned to each other like, what was that? What was that thing? Then a little while later, they saw it from a different view. They're like, oh, it's the moon. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. Just that you're saying how, you know, if you're flying in unfamiliar conditions, or even just being that high up anyway, your frame right. of reference for anything moving is totally skewed because there's nothing nearby or thirty thousand feet above any other solid object Um, so you can't really judge distance or speed you can get disoriented depending on positioning and the lighting conditions and stuff and so i think it's totally reasonable to think that even seasoned pilots can see something
0: totally ordinary and have no idea what it is they're seeing and then think something weirder happened get befuddled by it I will say, I one time was driving around, not even in the sky, <laughs> and I thought I saw the moon, and I was very shocked at how large and bright and um, sort of tawny it looked, and um, as I drove closer, it was indeed a shell sign. So, I'm going to say, another thing <laughs> that I'm excited about is that there is an official report on the way. Yes. Always always thrilling. <laughs> 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 it's also intriguing that so much money, time, and attention is being poured into a thing, I mm-hmm. guess, whatever this may be. Maybe it's the moon. It may also be a gas station. <laughs> I think the videos offer very convincing audio, if anyone has watched these, yeah, that effectively go with garbage footage. Yes. So the person that we're listening to is clearly convinced that something weird is going on, but...
1: Yeah, they're having a genuine reaction to something, who knows what. Another thing I think of, too, is depending on the kind of camera that the footage is coming from, the more advanced the camera, the more unique the kinds of strange artifacts can come from that, too. So it might be uh, giving an image of something simpler than what it is you end up seeing through it. I I, I can't speak to that directly because I don't really know more details about what it is they were using for cameras and stuff but just another yeah. possibility another another factor that can contribute to the ways this stuff uh
0: gets strange absolutely along those lines i'm very wary of the angle that's sort of uh salaciously teased <laughs> which is that with no clear solution it's probably maybe the weird solution <laughs> right <laughs> A um,
1: typical uh both sides
0: ism you get from the new york times yes indeed um so is it china is it russia is it aliens should we read the report i think my main takeaway regardless is that things are clearly weird but it will always always be the simplest answer and if in this case (laughs) the simplest answer does wind up being aliens cool then goddamn (laughs) And that's what I have to say about that. <laughs> Great.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, the, I, th- I think you might be catching a theme, dear listeners, for why we don't talk about UFO stuff super often. <laughs> it's difficult on this show, based on you know this being something where we try and approach stuff from a, a scientific perspective and try and offer explanations when we can. This specific kind of phenomenon can go one of two directions, and it's either completely mundane-sounding stuff being stretched to be more than it probably is.
0: You could say the terrestrial option. Yeah. Or.
1: <laughs> or just <laughs> such bugfuck wacko stuff that we cannot begin to give any kind of explanation to beyond we don't know what happened to this person or why they think what happened happened. It just is that. And after the break, which I'm calling the ads now, um, yeah. I have exactly that for us, so... <laughs>
0: I like I like the use of break. I think it's good. So we're gonna go to that it does break.
1: Make it feel more <laughs> official. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna go to that break without actually stopping. And
0: here we go. <laughs> here we go.
1: So first up, uh, first should we? We want to thank beer. We want to thank uh, an individual person. Let's let's think in
0: individual beer. Great. And by that I do mean four <laughs> individual seasons of beer, <laughs> all of which are phantoms. All of which could be considered phantoms. Four phantoms. <laughs> the beautiful. Wonderful, and as far as I know, still pretty modestly sized brewery in uh, Western Massachusetts, now based out of Greenfield. Yes, which uh, combines heavy metal, D and D, Jake's Frozen, and beer to make a great beer. He's unfrozen. I'm back. Four Phantoms is awesome. If you listen to the show, you'll have heard us say this a few times, but we're gonna say it again. They currently have Bite Back, mm-hmm. Purple Potion, Hand of Doom, and Battle Standard on tap. If you don't know what those are. Those are two sours, a big old oatmeal stout, and a delicious laguerre, respectively. Soon enough, they will be kicking open their doors to a brick-and-mortar tavern in Greenfield, which is very exciting. Super. And a uh, high-desire destination for, I think, everyone here. Do check them out online. They're available for curbside pickup as we exit our pandemic times, as well as uh, for just straight-up purchase in the shops if you live in Massachusetts or Rhode Island currently. Mm-hmm. And the aforementioned Tavern will be a very fun destination. And in the meantime, you can hit them up on dot com, to boost their profile there with a review. Um, it'll help them with their distribution and exposure. You can also uh,
1: hit up some of their merch at their merch shop, which we will Ooh. link as per usual in the description of this episode. Think get some uh, cool-looking different stuff above and beyond just the beer. You can try oh, drinking yeah. it. I don't think it will work as well,
0: but it's always an option. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, so thank you very much, for Phantoms. Very much. We we love you guys.
1: Now let's boot up the uh, NCAA device for a
0: segment oh, wow. we call Pander. Pander. The patron appreciation neural dive for evaluation of risk. This is uh, pretty obviously I sort of Shocked that I have to even explain what this is, but it should be obvious in the name. Uh, a program that we run on an ancient kind of cursed computer machine that we plug into our brain. So we'll just do that right now. There we go. This allows
1: us to tap into the dark ether and calculate for each and every one of our Patreon patrons what cryptid or creepy crawly monster thing out in the world they personally need to keep an eye out for.
0: So couldn't have been more obvious. Let's see. This week, we're going to focus in on
1: Goose Manchu Manchu
0: of Clayton, North Carolina. Goose,
1: keep them papers peeled for White White Things, things. (laughs) also known as Devil Dogs. (laughs) Not to be confused with, I think that's a Drake's Confection, or is it Little (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Hostess. I think it's Drake. I think you're right. Um, white things, white devils, or devil dogs, most notably the Sheep Squatch. Which, which I think we talked about. We did, yeah. Appears on the show, Mountain Monsters, uh, they're amongst <laughs> the most
0: historically infamous cryptids in West Virginia. Pretty localized. Um, almost all white things are described to have dog-like features, although this picture makes it look like <laughs> No <lump>. features,
1: <laughs> just a lump with very, very muscular arms. He's
0: jacked. That white thing could destroy me in an arm wrestling contest. Some are humanoid creatures like Bigfoot, demons, or even prehistoric cats. Wait, what? <laughs> That's not a humanoid thing at all. No, it's got all over the place. Also, this thing looks like a. First draft of a tattoo.
1: First draft of a tattoo of what I can only assume was meant to be some variation on a, uh, a fearsome critter. But I don't know. Yes. Just, uh, you know, Goose, stay, um, stay in North Carolina. Don't go too far north. And If you do, don't go into West Virginia. And if you get into West Virginia and you see white things, then you might want to watch out.
0: If you see a lumpy, weird, evil-looking dog that looks like it needs to go to the doctor for something. Right, An impossibly
1: large dog and lion combination with stark white and long shaggy hair. Can also look like wolves, bears, cows, even huge badgers. Any of that stuff—bad wow. news for you, goose. So, uh, so, watch out for that.
0: And thank you so thank much, you so much for supporting us we on really Patreon. Really appreciate it. And if you yourself would like to have your name calculated with the Pander function to figure out your cryptid creature, ghouly or otherwise strange being, you can do so at. Any level on our Patreon, um, we all also have such things. At uh, depending on what level you join, uh, outtakes. Jake Jake edits the show right down to its uh, sexiest minimum, and saves all the even sexier content for the outtakes, <laughs> where <laughs> yes. we are uh, <laughs> incompletely finishing sentences, um, burping, and laughing at our own jokes so basically what you already hear on the show plus more yeah more of the same yeah uh we have we have bonus mini sodes, uh which is also more of the show (laughs) and we also have um you can become a glug suck uh which which (laughs) means that you get a really awesome original uh sticker every quarter four stickers a year which uh you know if you're putting more stickers on stuff than one every few months then you have a problem my friend um <laughs> and you get that checked out uh so it's the perfect rate of stickers they're all original you can show off your 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 fan or spread the word in your local environment by sticking them on people or stuff and you can only get those stickers through our patreon we won't we don't sell them You don't give them away any other way
1: except that way. And right now, true fans only. uh, Through uh, we're doing a whole special deal because we were behind on Q three, Q four of 2020, and Q one and two of this month. That we're going of this year, we're going to be putting out all three of those stickers at once to anyone who joins now or was a member at any point during that stretch of time. Still have those stickers, so. If you want to join that, you know, Q2 ends with June, but we'll keep offering up all those stickers until we run out of them. So, uh, that's a chance to get a really awesome Glug Suck bumper sticker. I'll uh, find out what Glug Suck even means by going on our Patreon, as well as a really cool uh <laughs> Jeff the Talking Mongoose uh sticker and a uh nice little kind of holographic one that says Rods
0: is Bugs. <laughs> um Which is also enough stickers that all you strange multiple sticker a quarter using freaks (laughs) can actually get your jollies off. So congratulations to you as well. (laughs) Uh, But again, that's only through our Patreon.
1: And lastly, if you can't afford to spend money to support our bullshit, never fear, you can do us an enormous solid for free by leaving a review uh,
0: for the show on Apple Podcasts. Oh yeah, it makes our day and it helps boost the show. And with that... I say break over. Jake, do you want to take it away?
1: Yeah. Uh, So, as promised, I do have one of the uh, a little bit more uh, colorful accounts. Oh, boy. And uh, so this this comes from, I got it from an archived issue of the APRO Bulletin, uh, as relayed by Hmm. investigator Irene Granchi. APRO, which is the Aerial Phenomena Research Organization was, it looks like, the precursor to MUFON, the Mutual UFO Network, which is still active today. Ah. So they originally, I think, were based in Wisconsin, and then they were in Arizona, I think. And then eventually, they, yeah, they became MUFON later on. Uh-huh. Uh, anyway, this, all, this account all took place on September 15th, 1977, Ooh. near uh, Paciencia, Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Oh, boy. Thirty-three-year-old bus driver Antonio Larubia habitually arises at two o'clock a.m., brushes his teeth, washes, and leaves his home at two fifteen or two twenty a.m. He washes his whole home. Go on. <laughs> on the morning in question, he feels he must have left at two twenty, for that was when his watch stopped. Ro, ro. He walked to a large field near his home. When he got to the corner, uh, when he, uh, and when he got near the corner of it, he stopped short for. In the field sat an object, which he, which he estimated to be 70 meters, 235 feet across, at least. Whoa. As the field is 70 meters across, and the object's bulk extended beyond the boundaries of the field. so That's the reason for his particular estimate that it was. Oh, yeah. Antonio thought the object, which was a dull, leaden color and shaped like a hat, uh, was resting on the ground. <laughs> However, a search—and I'm guessing like uh, just a ball cap. Uh, <laughs> yeah. However, a search made by Mrs. Granchi and Antonio at a later date revealed no vestiges of a landing, such as impressions, burned grass, etc., although Mrs. Granchi feels they could have missed them. Um, as soon as uh, Mr. LaRubia, Antonio, they keep going back and forth, as soon as Antonio realized what he was seeing, he decided to run back home. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was unable to run, however, for at that moment, he decided to, uh, at the moment he decided to retreat... An intensely bright light lit up the area. He was standing by an electric pole, which uh, became illuminated by the brilliant blue light. Whoa. At that moment, Antonio saw three quote-unquote robots positioned near him. They were one meter of 40 centimeters, so about four feet tall, but their antennae, which jetted out of the top middle of their heads, extended far enough to extend beyond his height, which is approximately 5'5". Five five. Huh. Um... The heads of the creatures were shaped like American footballs, with a band extending across the middle horizontally, which looked like a roll of small mirrors of a blue shade, one a little darker than the others. Ooh. The bodies, Antonio said, were stocky, the trunk broader than his own. He is muscular, but of slender build. They had appendages for arms, which he compared to elephants' trunks, and which narrowed down to pointed tips resembling one finger.
0: Whoa. This is bringing me back to a different account. Do you remember that other account? Those guys who were fishing or whatever? They had feet shape, but they didn't have no toes. <laughs> is, that, is that the account you're talking about? <laughs> no, that's the one.
1: <laughs> yeah. No. Um, I'll, I'll get down to the bottoms of them in a second. but um, Their bodies are made of a rough substance resembling scales. Uh, when questioned, Antonio said he didn't think the scales were armor for the robots moved around freely and the scales did not seem to impede them in any way. The trunks, they were kind of shaped like were rounded at the bottom ending in a single leg. Ooh. This leg ended in a platform, the size and shape of a saucer. Huh. Antonio compared this leg and platform to the stools utilized on ships. Uh,
0: All of his, uh, all this outer part of the bodies looked like a dull shade of aluminum. So wait, is this just one post that goes down to a very narrow little saucer cup? Yes. Weird as hell. Carry on. Yeah, so a a thick body narrows down
1: to a weird little uh, kind of point and then like a saucer thing that's the platform it's resting on
0: uh, and they have weird, I guess, floppy arms. I feel kind of called out for body shapes right now. (laughs) Uh... In
1: the field, one of the robots stood in front of him, one hand at the side and another behind him. When the blue light had come on, he could no longer move. Antonio flailed about with his arms, but found he was imprisoned as though in a bell jar. He could not move, but the creatures floated along. They were all of the same stature, but one of them was holding what appeared to be a syringe. This robot raised its appendage, pointed the syringe at Antonio, and he moved from his position without feeling it toward the disc. Although he felt himself moving toward the disk, he did not know how he entered it. As he approached it, he felt a tremor, then found himself in a corridor of aluminum substance and behind, uh, beyond it, a wall. Whoa. He looked down the corridor, saw the field, and it seemed that the skin of the UFO was transparent. He felt the craft had lifted him from the ground. He got the impression the object was moving from south to north. Whoa. Oh, my God. A bright blue light came on again, and he now found himself in a large circular room. The light appeared to come from the ceiling and became lighter in hue as it came down to the wall until it blended with the aluminum color of the walls. Mm. In this huge chamber, he saw a dozen of the entities on one side and another on the other side, another dozen on the other side, reminding him of children in a classroom because their single legs looked like seats. Oh, God. Antonio had been struggling all the while, unable to make a sound, but suddenly he was able to shout, what do you want? Who are you? To his great surprise, all the creatures fell to the floor, and he assumed that the sound of his voice must have caused this. (laughs) Oh my god. The light came on strong again, blinding him. He continued to struggle, partly from fear, but also because he had extreme difficulty breathing since he first entered the craft. When Antonio began shouting, all the entities raised their appendages to the tip of their antennae, holding them. Prior to that, the antennae had been spinning so fast that he could not determine their exact shape. When they held them with their appendages... He could see that their shape resembled that of a teaspoon. Huh? Okay.
0: <laughs> Interesting. I do
1: have a I do have an illustration I will send you in just a little bit. I want to get a little bit further into the scene they're setting before I show you that.
0: Of course. This is a very goofy Disney-style monster so far, truly. Uh
1: the only fixture in the whole enclosure was a small piano-like affair in front of Antonio. <laughs> It was a box-shaped thing about 15 to 17 centimeters, uh, 6 inches in width, standing on two supporting poles. I think when they say piano, they mean like a little, like, Casio keyboard kind of thing. Yeah, right, right. Um, uh, standing on two supporting poles, which reached to the height of Antonio's chest. Ugh. At the extremity of the box, on each side, there were antennae jutting up, and to one side, the keys, which reminded him of a piano. Hmm. Uh, there was also something that looked like a tin can on it, into which this, uh, the beings inserted some objects, which they took from their belts. Yeah, I'll, I'll stop here to show you the image. So they Ooh, he's in a room. There's a there's a keyboard in the middle of it. Uh, all these robots all hanging around. And, <laughs> and they uh, keep there's a, a like a tin can looking thing on on the uh, this Korg or perhaps Moog <laughs> synthesizer thing. <laughs> and they were dropping stuff from their belts into this container. And uh, I'll explain what happened from there. But for now, I'll send in I guess in the chat. And
0: I'll post a link to a, a higher quality version of the image uh, for everyone to see. Oh my God. Okay, that's kind of what I was envisioning, actually. <laughs> this is describe what you're seeing? Gooftacular. Okay. <laughs> the way I would describe this, envision a bar stool, like a hard fixed bar, bar stool, single leg bar stool from like a diner. Yes. The leg comes up where the seat would be is the bottom of the torso. That goes up to sort of a pill-shaped body, like a tic-tac, Yes, with two sort of tentacles coming off the sides, on top of which a football has been set on end with <laughs> sort of like the glasses that Data wears from Star Trek. Geordie LaForge. Uh, Data doesn't wear glasses. Oh, yeah, of course. Jordi LaForge. That's right. I don't know what Star Trek is. <laughs> and then coming out the top is your classic old fashioned antenna. And then around the what one could call a waist. It's like a bandolier. Looks like a bandolier of like shotgun shells or something. <laughs> and then the Casio keyboard. Yeah, it looks like that, basically. Yep. With two little poles coming out the bottom. Very, very hilarious kind of. Looks like someone's tripping balls at like a weird conference or something, basically. Uh, okay, carry on.
1: Yes, so that is that is the scene we have, and I'll we'll have a link to this image for you to see and, and imagine along with us. Um, <laughs> so they are taking these things off of their bandoliers, dropping them into a little like tin can oh, attached to the keyboard, gotcha. and um, while they start doing that, uh, they'll hang by hooks from their little belts. So they drop the things that look kind of like syringes into the box. Each time this happened, a different image appeared on the wall of the UFO in color showing a different scene to Antonio. Whoa. So the ones he sees were as follows. One, himself, nude, lying on an invisible table swinging his arms about, his legs lying straight and two of the beings examining him with their little bluish lights, directing it at his chest and head with another entity examining his head with a blue light which had no beam. Huh. Image 2: Here Antonio saw himself, still naked, standing. A uh, 3: Antonio was dressed, carrying his shopping bag, his teeth were chattering and he looked nervous. No sound came from him and one arm was swinging. 4: This picture showed a horse and cart being drawn over a dirt road. Antonio did not recognize this location, but there appeared to be a cartman, a peasant wearing a straw hat, barefooted and with a torn shirt. Huh. 5: Antonio saw a picture of a light orangey ball with himself standing beside it. Six. In this picture, the ball was once again seen, uh, this time bluish in color, with one of the beings standing beside it. Huh. Seven. A dog was shown, trying to get at one of those beings. Uh, Then the dog gave out four or five barks. At this point, the beings started to melt from top to bottom like porridge. What the hell? Okay. (laughs) Eight. A factory was seen, apparently one of theirs, where the UFOs are manufactured. The scene was white and stretched out so Antonio could not see the end of it. Whoa. Uh, nine, this picture showed a train like the Japanese trains currently being used in Brazil, but older, something the worse for wear, windowless, entering a tunnel whereupon it was lost from view. Huh, okay. And ten, this showed an avenue jammed with cars. Antonio also told Granchi about when the beings took blood from him. One of them came over to the center of the hall where he was standing, took one of the syringes from its belt with his right appendage, Passed it over to his left appendage, where it started to rotate, spinning so fast that Antonio could not follow it with his eyes. Oh, God. Then the gadget was pointed at him, whereupon his arm lifted against his will, and the syringe was stuck into the middle finger of his right hand. Ugh. He oh. saw the syringe filling until it nearly overflowed. He was sure it Ugh. was his blood, for it was the only color he saw in the whole place. Everything else was blue or white or metallic-like. Ugh. He didn't understand how this could be, for he did not feel the prick, and, where, uh, and there was no mark afterward where it was accomplished. Then the being who had taken the blood pointed at a picture on the wall and drew three circles, presumably with Antonio's blood, oh, and dissected them with an L-shaped mark. Granchi thinks that the blood drawing experience, <laughs> which I guess blood drawing in more than one way, um, uh, came before or in between the showing of pictures. For Antonio says that after the image of the busy street scene, he was uh, thrown overboard and fell into a street almost opposite the uh, Paciencia station. When he landed, there was one of the beings beside him. All his belongings were with him, even his bag, which had not been with him on the craft. Then Antonio looked at his watch, which read 2.20 a.m. Whoa. He was on the ground, looked behind him, and saw nothing. He then looked up and saw what appeared to be the bottom of a dark, smooth balloon lifting up. It was huge in size and ascended until he could no longer see it. Whoa. Granchi asked if there had been additional witnesses, and uh, he said there were... But the the one other witness was a a known drunk and therefore not reliable. Oh, no. The aforementioned drunk guy told numerous people he'd seen a UFO that morning. Antonio went over to the Paciencia station, uh, asked the time, and it was either 2.50 or 2.55 a.m. He set his watch to the correct time. There was a bus passing at 3.10, and he caught it and arrived at work on time. He felt ill and nervous and ached all over. He drove his bus nevertheless, but now and again his vision darkened. He worked all day and again all day Friday, and when he arrived home that night, he went to bed. It was uh, at this junction in his narrative that Antonio recalled another picture he had forgotten. This one he saw himself with smoke coming out of his back, and the pain and heat which he was now feeling when he arrived home seemed to be connected with the picture. The pictures he saw in the UFO seemed to have depicted all the suffering he was now experiencing. Antonio told his wife nothing of what had happened to him. That Friday night, his bowels were loose and he felt miserable. Oh, God. All weekend, he was still very ill and missed work. On Monday, when he went back to work again, company nurse wanted to give him a tranquilizing injection, but he refused, afraid that it would make him worse. Plus, at this point, I think he probably has a thing for syringes, so who knows? (laughs) Yeah, for real. (laughs) Uh, The personnel at the clinic thought he had gone mad and ropes were brought to constrain him. Oh, no. He was taken to the hospital, where it was generally thought he was mad because he babbled about UFOs. Right. Before being taken to the hospital, however, LaRubia was given a hearing by the bus company psychologist, Dr. Nelly Carbonell, who pronounced him psychologically normal but nevertheless called an ambulance to take him to the hospital. Whoa. Antonio was surprised when uh, when the hospital doctors pronounced him normal despite his extreme discomfort. However, when one of the doctors visited him for his INPS, Workers' Employer Relief, uh, and heard about the ufo he called in six other doctors saying that the case was serious and worthy of further study also antonio was registered a, uh, was registering a high fever about 103 degrees fahrenheit which could have been dangerous to him had it persisted Granchi concluded her whole uh, entire account of this as follows quote what do the beings wish to communicate the simplest seems that as we harm them they can harm us there um, that there are many of them as there are many of us they can tell our future, but we cannot tell theirs. That they isolate people in an invisible bell jar, and so on. <laughs> Shall we have time to reflect on all this before they come in larger hordes? Well said, Irene. That's how the article ends. From well, from the whole thing.
0: <laughs> so, wow, that is that. That is quite the tale. Um, it is indeed. Where does one even begin?
1: There are a lot of different ways to take this. Um, one i, mean, I <laughs> did see some talk of like the possibility of this being just a totally fabricated story right one of the points being that why why would a bus station have an on call like an on site psychologist but right maybe that's maybe that's a thing who knows if we take the whole thing take it at face value that it is a thing that actually happened to a guy then it, yeah what happened to the guy
0: yeah exactly what the hell happened to him i mean i know having fevers can bring on pretty bad hallucinations on occasion yes
1: and as far as i'm describing himself feeling really terrible increasingly terrible then having a really high fever and uh and all this other stuff attached to that i know it's kind of a cop-out answer but it does seem pretty possible that it could just be weird dream stuff happening here
0: yes indeed
1: especially the the and this is true for a lot of different abduction stories where the pacing of it follows very much a dream logic where you just go from one scene to the next more or less without really any transition between don't know how you got from the ground from the to the craft indeed. to this other room and then the stuff happening follows even more dream logic where it's like what the hell is happening and why <laughs> it's very specific and detailed but right. it is very odd right That it also it's very dreamish and if he if it was a fever dream then you know even more vivid and bizarre than your standard fare so it could very possibly be what was happening here to to this guy, but naturally the precursor to Mufon, uh, were they're ready to just like eat it right up, like oh this this we're happened aliens. for sure, and now we got to be worried that the more of these things are going to come back.
0: The details of it all too, yeah. It the dream aspect seems the most convincing to me. Yeah, the, especially with the you know, being surrounded by strange figures that then do like some sort of like ceremony that then leads to a series of images that leads to like another little micro narrative after micro narrative and like Mm -hmm. things vaguely being tied together, but like not at all necessarily linear or anything like this. It's just like classic, but, uh, totally must've been horrifying, especially if you got sick just independently of that. And it happened to be right Right. after. And you were like, Oh my God,
1: I definitely had something. Yeah, That'd be very rough the episode it like he did get out of it okay i didn't really look into i couldn't find follow-up stuff saying like oh did he eventually end up being fine um i'll look into it a little more depth later on maybe it's follow-up in a future episode if i do find more stuff about it after the fact sure. but uh it does seem like he for the most part ended up being all right uh there
0: we go <laughs> thank god
1: <laughs> yeah another thing i thought when i first read this and saw the image and stuff the first thing that came to mind i thought i had this brilliant theory for what it could have been and then I looked it up and I was like, oh okay I was wrong I was picturing the Tra from, from Slaughterhouse five.
0: Oh man a book that I have read, but it was ages ago. can you remind me and that's the I did, I read it a long time ago too so
1: they're um, aliens on this other planet where Billy Pilgrim ends up being taken and they have like this much broader understanding of time and how it all works and they experience that's their right. entire lives. Totally non-linearly, can visit different moments at different times, and so they don't see the beginning and end as being fixed points. It's just like, oh, those those happen, but you can check out all the other stuff in between too, and it's just right. how it goes. So it goes, as they say. And <laughs> uh but there are these. I remember them being like having a like little platform, single foot thing, being like like a kind of little pod sort of. And so I was thinking this looked like that, and I was like, wow, okay, that book came out before this happened and then the movie even came out in 72 which is five years before so i was like oh maybe there was some imagery that could have been in his head kind of like uh going way back to the chupacabra and the movie species sure but in this case uh no they were actually just like a little pedestal with a hand on on the top with an eyeball in the middle of the hand and that's what they look like so not quite (laughs) not quite the same my theory was ruined by that Uh, but
0: i mean it could be it could be hand in hand not to lean on hands too much (laughs) You know, it could have been that narrative elements from that book, you know, assembled with other things in his subconscious and just established this dreamscape for him. Totally. I like, I like your, I like your read on it very much is what I'm trying to say.
1: Yeah. I liked it too, but I don't like it as much as I thought I would when I saw the difference in how they looked. Oh, well, would have been great if it was more of a one-to-one match, but yeah, fair. At any rate, it was a strange thing. And that is the story I have this week.
0: I love it. I mean, it, it captures so much of what I think tantalizes people about the whole, you know, oeuvre. Yeah. Of the, U, the oeuvre-fo, if you will. <laughs> UF oeuvre, which is that strange encounter, so vivid, so visceral, you know, did it or did it not really happen? Only uh, no no one can say for sure, even though it almost certainly didn't happen. Right. And it's just spooky. Totally. And gosh dang, who knows what's in that report. (laughs) We'll Um, find out, I guess, after this episode (laughs) comes out. Yeah. We'll do a follow-up. That'll be a good mini-episode or something.
1: Yeah. But, you know, the other possibility, just to uh, lead back into where I want to kind of wrap up this episode, it could be owls. Emma and Dan might disagree, but it might have just been owls. Might have just been owls. So, yeah, before we wrap up the episode for the day, I do want to take a moment to just thank Dan. Um, As we said, we... We didn't have a whole lot of time with them, unfortunately. We only got to know them over the course of the last couple of years. Uh, We got to each record a few times with Dan. We recorded a Patreon episode on their show. We recorded the full episode with them, and then they recorded an episode with us, um, which meant just like three and a half hours of chaos (laughs) that was so much fun. It was a blast. Oh, my God. We also each got to go on a 50p movie bites with Dan, which uh, each individually got to demonstrate Through our movie tastes that, yes, we are exactly the kind of people you would guess we are. (laughs) Um, Yes, indeed. But, yeah, just a super fun guy. That was episode 80 of their show, episode 106 of ours. I actually did, as soon as I heard the news, I, I mean, one of the things I did that day was I downloaded every episode of his show. Let me introduce myself. I've been meaning to listen to that and hadn't gotten around to it yet. Now I'm just kind of slowly going through them because there's not a lot of episodes and I don't want to burn through them all too fast. Mm-hmm. But I also did listen to the outtakes from our, the episode where they were on because uh, it was just very fun. Dan's um, uncertainty of himself in, in reading his own stories. He's so used to Emma doing them was just very, very charming and uh, a great couple of people to uh, spend time with. Thanks, Dan. Thanks, Emma. Um, we know everyone else is going through it as well. It's a very shocking, sudden thing. And, and, yeah, it's it's tough to to deal with that i oh, can only imagine what emma is dealing with oh absolutely well we appreciate all you guys joining us today for the show and, and for going on this podcast journey with us in general we know most of you only know about us from real life ghost stories in the first place mm. and like so many other awesome podcasts we're touched by them as well so we'll be forever grateful for the kindness that they showed us And, uh, yeah, we want to extend all of our love to the Izzet family, to Emma, to everyone affected by Dan's passing. Yes, indeed. So, we'll be back again next week, probably? Next time, anyway. I
0: dare say. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. It's going to be an episode of Listener Stories. Uh, We had some pretty great turnout for the last one, or after the last one, actually. So, uh, probably no small part due to are whining so much during that episode about not getting enough listener stories. So people came out of the woodwork.
0: Now that you've finally positively reinforced us, yes. we will continue to whine. Yep. Uh, that's right. <laughs> you've you've trained us now. We know we get our way if we do that. <laughs>
1: and uh, so if, if it does keep up that we get that many incoming stories on that regular basis, we might try and do listener episodes on a regular basis as well. Maybe even like monthly, possibly. I don't know. But if you're listening to this when it comes out, then you still have until... Let's say monday june 28th yeah send us your story for it to have a chance to make it into this particular app if
0: not you'll have to wait till the next one which will be even weeks from now Er. <laughs> 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 but yeah thank you guys so much for those submissions
1: yeah if you have any kind of like experience you want to share uh, either just to let us know what it was we could talk about it or if you want to get a possible explanation our take on what might have happened
0: beyond the yeah, possible paranormal very fun explanation. To take those things apart.
1: That, or even if you just have um, topics you want to hear us cover, any of that stuff, send it to contact at
0: superduperstitious.com and we will happily uh, check it all out. Oh, heck yeah. And in the meantime, uh, stay tuned. We're very happy to have you if this is your first time listening and uh, love having you around if you're coming back after previous eps, And yeah, we'll, we'll have more tent on the way. You will. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Bye. Bye.